let it be. All right, look at chapter 18, 18 verse 9. When you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire. One who uses divination. One who practices witchcraft. Or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer. Or one who casts a spell. Or a medium. Or a spiritist. Or one who calls up the dead. For whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord. And because of these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God. No, no dirty hands. No, no tampering with or, or playing with uh, spiritists or, or witches and witch, witch and in witchcraft. Uh, none of that is to be in your in your midst. It is not to be in your midst. Do you realize that if you if you go to Mexico, they have malls whole like you now go to the, the store to the malls full of shops that sell witchcraft items shop after shop store after store shops of witchcraft items uh, 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 witchcraft potents and potions and potions and and uh, all kinds of things to, uh, to to speak to the dead and so forth uh, our world is, is a lost world uh, this is going on in our world, and you and I have to understand that uh, uh, this is this is this is not good. This is bad. And by the way, we have that in Louisiana, uh, not nearly as 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 big in, as in other countries, but you have a lot of witchcraft in the backwoods of Louisiana uh, that was brought over from Africa, uh, and it, it affected the culture of, of Louisiana. And a lot of things that have happened uh, in, in in Louisiana, but you are not to have any of this. These detestable things. Notice in verse 12. These things are detestable to the Lord. To the Lord. He can't tolerate these things. This will destroy you as a people. And you are to, to not have these things. Now verse 15. We read in the first hour. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet. This is speaking about the Lord Jesus. Like from among you. From your countrymen. You shall listen to him. This is according to all that you ask of the Lord your God in Horeb at, uh, at Mount Sinai on the day of the assembly saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord. This is what the people said. Let me not hear again the voice of the Lord my God. Let me not see this great fire anymore lest I die. When all the thunderings and the lightnings that took place at Sinai, the people were, were, were frightened. Now please notice something. Uh, that this is a warning when they saw all that pyrotechnic <laughs> display uh, at, uh, at Sinai, it was a reminder that God is an awesome God. God is a God of judgment. Don't play games with God. Don't mess with God. Keep your finger here in Deuteronomy. Go back to Exodus chapter 20. In Exodus 20, verse 18, here's what happened at Mount Sinai. Exodus 20, starting verse 18. 20 started 18. They're up there at Mount Sinai. They're at the foot of Mount Sinai. And all the people perceived the thunder and the lightning flashes and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled and stood at a distance. 
Then they said to Moses, Speak to us yourself, and, and we will listen, Moses, but, don't, but do not let God speak to us lest we die. <laughs> oh, the thundering and the lightning. Don't let God speak to us. Can you imagine them all packing up and running away from, from Mount Sinai? Lest we die. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid, for God has come in order to test you. He has shown himself with the thundering and the lightning to test you. To test you. And, look at the rest of this verse, in order that the fear of him may remain with you so that you may not sin. Why does God show his judgment? Why is there a place which, which uh, violates secular psychology, a place for shame? And for uh, why is there a place for the fear of the Lord? Why is there a place for, for saying, oh, don't, don't, don't play with God. Don't mess with God. Don't take God uh, for disadvantage. Don't, you must listen to God lest a judgment comes. Look at the last part of that verse 20 again. That the fear of Him may remain with you. You know, a lot of people try to say, well, you know, we shouldn't fear God, just respect. But respect is the other side of the coin of fear. Fear and respect, respect and fear. You know, I have to understand that God can take us to the woodshed. God can spank us. God can, can remove the job, remove the fortune. And God can, can bring us low, can take us down. In order, why? That you may not sin. That you'll do this. That you will. That you will drop that sin. That you'll walk away from it. That you'll let it go. That you will not practice sin. And so there is a place for fear. But notice what Moses does. It's a both and. He says, "Don't fear," but God is bringing this display in order to cause you to do what? To fear Him, that that fear might remain. You don't have to fear if you're doing right, if you're doing what He says, if you're listening to His Word. There's peace, there's safety, there's contentment. But God is doing this to test you so that you will always be reminded to fear so that you will not sin. Would it be great if everyone in this room just said, uh, uh, well, you know, uh, I'm about to do the sin, but you know, I, I, I don't want to sin. I, I want to be good. Blah, blah, blah. I want to do what God says without God having to say anything to us or God having to remind us. Would it be great if we just all dropped off the things that we know are wrong off of us and He didn't have to make this display and remind us, remind us of His judgment? Would it be great? Just grace alone? Unfortunately, we have to be reminded. We have to go through things. When things come upon you, remember they can come upon you because of a certain naturalistic thing. They can come upon you because Satan is after you. They can come upon you because it's a test from God. And by the way, sometimes we don't know which it is. We always don't know. Well, let me tell you some good advice to say, God, could it be me? God, humble me. God, help me learn the lesson. Lord, help me to walk away from the sins that I may have. Lord, help me do what You would have me to do so that I can have peace and contentment 
and so that I can be doing what you want me to do. Would it be great without any, any fear, without any test, without any reminder of his judgment that that would happen? Well, unfortunately, sometimes it does not. All right, go back to the Deuteronomy passage. Um, if I could keep your finger here again, in this passage in Deuteronomy 18, and go to Hebrews 12, because we read this last Monday, and I'm not sure I explained it enough. Hebrews 12, because the writer of Hebrews uh, quotes this same idea. Hebrews 12, verse 18. And I don't think I explained it clear enough last, uh, last Monday night. Hebrews 12, verse 18. The writer of Hebrews reminds his listeners, readers, readers, Hebrews 12, 18. For you've not come up to the mountain that may be touched, to a blazing fire, and to darkness and gloom and whirlwind, and to the blast of a trumpet and the sound of words, which sound was such that those who heard begged that no further word should be spoken to them. He's talking about that Exodus passage. You've not come up to Mount Sinai and seen the lightning and the thundering and so forth. For they could not bear the commandment. If even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I am even full of fear and trembling. Okay? So the writer of Hebrews pulls that story out and said, you've not come up to that. You've come up to grace. But you better be careful to observe what God says. You better understand what grace is lest, uh, lest you, be, you be tested and tried. All right, now go back to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Verse 17, 1817. The Lord said to me, They have spoken well. I will raise up a prophet from among their countrymen, like you, Moses. I'll put my words in his mouth. He will speak to them all that I command him. This will be Christ. It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, which he shall speak in my name, I myself will require it of him. But the prophet who shall speak a word presumptuously in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or which he shall speak in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. That prophet shall die. And you may say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? How do we know if God has spoken or not? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not come about or come true, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. The prophet has spoken a pres it presumptuously. He shall not be afraid of him. Verse, uh, verse 1 of chapter 19. Now we're shifting gears to another issue. Chapter 19. Remember, look up here for a second. Remember what's going on in, in Deuteronomy. Now, now watch this. Moses is reviewing some of the most important principles of, of the law given in uh, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers. And Deuteronomy is a repeat of these principles for the new generation about the end of the land. So we're getting some repetition going on here. Chapter 19, verse 1 of Deuteronomy. When the Lord your God cuts off the nations whose land the Lord your God gives you and dispossesses them, and settle in their cities and their houses, you shall set aside three cities for yourself, that's in the land now, in the midst of your land which the Lord your God gives you to possess. I want to stop here and point something out to you. Please notice who is going to give them the land. 
God is. What land is he giving them? The land that belonged to other nations. We generally put just one word over that, the Canaanites, the Philistines and the Canaanites. Can God take away a land from people? Yes. Has God in history removed a land from people? Yes. Has God replaced nations? Yes. We know that many, many American Indian tribes were, were okay. They, were, they, were, they didn't go around killing their grandmothers and mothers, as many tribes did, Indian tribes. But have you forgotten that the Indians were pagans? Have you forgotten that the Indians did not believe in God or the Scriptures? Have you forgotten that early on the Indians, the, 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 the pilgrims when they came here, set up societies to take the gospel to the Indians and most of them rejected it? Have you forgotten that? You see, our American way is to look at uh, uh, the, the pagan Indian people and just and say something like, well, they're just neutral, neuter, they're neuter, they're neutral. Uh, no, they weren't neutral. They're pagan people. They were pagans. And by the way, many of the missionaries tried to take away their totem poles it made them furious. Many of the missionaries took little Indian orphans and clothed them, showed them how to take a bath, educated them, and they detested that. They want to go back and worship the, the spirits of the demons of the rocks and the trees. Everybody forgets that. No people is neutral. No nation of people is neutral. And God can use others in judgment. Do you not understand that? God can use others in judgment. God told Abraham that when your children enter the land, they will bring a judgment upon the Amorites in the land. When your people come back to this land, you follow that? After they will have been dispersed out of the land for a period, come out of Egypt and come back to the land... I'm going to use your people as judges against the pagans in the land. Did you not notice that? We keep forgetting that peoples, are, people groups are, are pagan unless the gospel has reached them. Now guess what's going on in America? We're going back to that which is natural. <laughs> We're going back to the natural way. Obama wants us to be like a Europe. That's where we're going. We're going to forget God. We're going to depart from God. We're going to take God out of the schools. We already have. So guess what? We're going back to what's normal. And what is normal? To not know the God who created you. To not believe in the Son that He sent to die for you. We're going back to what is normal. What you now need to be praying for is that which is abnormal. God, help us give ourselves as a people again to you. Help turn our people back to Christ. Put the Bible in central in our nation again. That's not normal. God, help us be abnormal. Help us be a people not like other people. You don't want to be like the other people. Look at the verse again. When the Lord your God cuts off the nations. When the Lord God cuts off the nations. And how's He going to cut off the nations? By bringing His people into the land. And there will be wars. 
and, and many of the, the Canaanite peoples will be destroyed. And they were terrible people. Uh, venereal diseases chewed up the people of uh, the Canaanites and, and, and the Amorites, the Hittites. Venereal diseases, taking your child and wanting to please the gods and having to walk through the fire. That's what, they, what was going on. What's going on in our public schools is some administrators taking our children back to paganism. Taking our children back to immorality and paganism. You and I are paying for their, for their salaries. Thank God it's not happening in Texas, but it's happening in other states. It will happen here. It will happen here. You know one of the most pagan cities in, in Texas? Austin. You ever been to Austin? Have you ever, have you ever seen the, met the, the, what's going on in, not every kid of course, but in the college campus at Austin? I wouldn't send a, I wouldn't send a, a cur dog to school in Austin. I'm not talking about just administration, I'm talking about the, the university. Pumps out massive doses of liberalism in Austin. That's the most pagan city in America. Get rid of God. We don't want anything to do with it. This nation, this, this state, low betide if it turns away of other states. Do you know that in, in, in the junior college in Waco, that they teach public school teachers, public school teachers, kids are going to be public school teachers. To take little boys and girls to the same restaurant, restroom and go to the bathroom in the same restroom, that's happening down here at the junior college. Come on, come on, just put all the kids together. We don't want to have anything that would make them not understand sex. So you'll take the little kids, the little girls, the little boys to the same restroom at the junior college down here. It's coming, folks. We say, God, God, help us be abnormal. Help us be abnormal. Look at uh, verse, verse uh, 2. You shall prepare the roads for yourselves and divide into, th into three parts the territory of your land, which the Lord your God will give you as a possession, so that any manslayer may flee there. Now, what he's going to talk about is the cities of refuge. And here's what's going on. Let's say you accidentally kill somebody. Well, guess what? The family's going to want to kill you. And so you run to the city of refuge where you could be protected until the judges could adjudicate the case. Verse, uh, verse uh, 4. This is the case of the manslayer who may flee there and live when he kills his friend unintentionally, not hating him previously, as when a man goes into the forest with his friend to cut wood and his hand swings the axe to cut down the tree and the iron head slips off the handle and strikes his friend so that he dies, he may flee to one of these cities, we call them cities of refuge, and live. Lest the avenger of blood, the family members, pursue the manslayer in the heat of his anger and overtake him because the, the way is long and take his life, though he was not deserving of death since he had not hated him previously. Cities of protection. Why? Because of people's emotions. We need to have cities of refuge where the ones pursuing cannot come into those cities. The man is left alone until the judges can judge the case properly. Come on down to verse 10 of chapter 19. So innocent blood will not be shed in the middle of your land, which the Lord your God gives you as an inheritance and blood guiltiness be on you. 
the Lord is working hard with these, with these laws to make sure that no one innocent is to die. Now this puts a tremendous burden on the judges and the Levites to judge properly, to judge fairly, to judge responsibly. It's incredible laws, unbelievable laws. And of course they impact upon many of our laws today in, in, our, in our country. Verse 11, But if there be a man who hates his neighbor and lies in wait for him and raises up against him, rises up against him and strikes him so that he dies and he flees to one of these cities, cities of refuge, then the elders of his city will send and take him from there and deliver him into the hand of the avenger of blood that he may die. You shall not pity him, but you shall purge the blood of the innocent from Israel that it may go well with you. Now, who's going to come to the city of refuge and say, this guy who's taking refuge with you in your city, he really is a murderer. Who's to do that? The elders, plural. They are responsible to make sure that the law is upheld. If that man is then brought out to the, to the gate of that city and turned over to the elders of the, of, the other, of the other town and taken back, what should happen? He is not, verse 13, to be pitied. He is not to be pitied. You shall purge the blood of the innocent from Israel that it may go well with you. Please notice that, that it may go well with you. Look up here a second. You must carry out these laws properly. You must pay attention to these laws. You must do them right so that it may go well with you, so that you can have peace in the land. That, that all that is done right is done right and that there will be a blessing upon the land. You're not to cheat. You're not to let the murderer get off. You're not to let the innocent uh, be, uh, be slain. You are to do the laws correctly and properly and the responsibility is on the elders. Verse 14. You shall not move your neighbor's boundary mark which the ancestors have set in your inheritance which you shall inherit in the land that the Lord your God gives you to possess. Look at that. You're not to sneak out at night and to take the rocks that, that form the boundary of your neighbor's property and move the rocks so that his, his land, his, part of his land is given to you. You take it upon yourself to, to take, take his land. You're not to move the boundary markers. By the way, uh, everyone in this room has probably purchased the property from time to time. Your, your present house or if you've got some, some acreage. What you have to go through with the court to prove that that land is yours, taking a, a survey, all to make sure that indeed that is your land, it's not in, you're not encroaching on your neighbor, all that comes from this passage. You're not to cheat your neighbor, you're not to move the boundary markers, you're to leave his land alone, you're not to encroach upon his land, okay? Very important principle. Verse 15, now we're shifting gears, subject after subject. A single witness shall not rise up against a man on account of any iniquity or any sin which he has committed. On the evidence of two or three witnesses, a matter shall be confirmed. Very important. It's not on the word of one person. Why? Because that person can be can be uh, uh, be a cheater himself. Uh, that person can lie. That person may not see uh, see properly, see, see straight in his mind. So you have to have at least two witnesses or three 
to settle issues, okay? Very important. If he has committed any iniquity or sin, it must be, you must be able to prove it, to show it, to substantiate it by two or three witnesses. If a malicious witness rise up against a man to accuse him of wrong dealing, wrongdoing, then both the man who have the dispute shall the men who have the dispute shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges, who will be in office in those days, and the judges shall investigate thoroughly. And if the witness is a false witness, and he has accused his brother falsely, uh-oh, then you shall do to him just as he is intended to do to his brother. Thus you shall purge the evil from among you. Did you get that? You better not be a liar before court. If you, if you lie before the court, guess what? You are, you are complicitory to uh, wrongdoing. You have uh, uh, lied to the judge. And you shall be punished. You shall be punished. Now what does this do? This brings about responsibility. This causes the community to be responsible. These are things that come from Christianity. Or the Old Testament, that is. Our biblical Christianity. Our biblical understanding. Old and New Testament. These things come from the Bible. Responsibility. Responsibility is important. The people are to be responsible. You cannot open your mouth against someone and speak presumptuously. You must be fair, you must say it right, or you can be judged. And the same, the same punishment will fall upon you. Um, look at verse 19. Then you shall do to him just as he intended to do to his brother. You shall purge the evil from among you. Look at that. You're not to allow this happen. You are to get the evil out of your, out of your culture. The evil out of your community. Are there individual sins? Yes. Are there family sins? Yes. Are there community sins? Yes. Is there, are there national sins? Yes. We have responsibilities right down the chain of the chain of command of, of how a nation operates. And all these rules and regs are important. Verse 20, the rest will hear and be afraid and will never again do such an evil thing among you. Look at that. Look at that. Everyone else is going to see the judgment. Everyone else is going to say, whoa, we cannot go that way. We cannot lie. We cannot tell a story because we can be brought before the judge and we will face a punishment. Thus, verse 21, you shall not show pity. Life for life, for life eye for eye, tooth for tooth, Hand for hand, foot for foot. That is powerful. Like judgment will come on the one who tries to cover up the sin or tries to lie against in, in testimony. He will perjure himself. He will perjure himself before the judge. By the way, one of you all in this room, I don't know who it was, but pointed out something because it's, it's, it's been said more than once in, in, in this passage. Uh, look at... Um, where is it now? Da, 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 da. Verse, um, verse 17. Verse 17. Both the men 
who have the dispute shall stand before the Lord, before the priests and the judges. They are to elect judges, but the priests, the Levites of that, of that particular community, that town, that city, can also be called in. In other words, the pastors, if you look at the Levites as the pastors, the pastors can come forth to be part of the, of, uh, of the jury. The Levites can come forward and be part of the jury. And the judges who have been appointed can come forth. The priests are mentioned in this verse first. The priests, the pastors, the spiritual leaders of the community are those who can also be called upon to make a judgment. I want you to look at 17 one more time and then we'll stop. Both the men who have the dispute will stand before the Lord. Before the Lord. That is, before the priests and the judges. The Lord. As they come before the priests or the judges, it is as if they are coming before the Lord. Who do they used to swear before when you were asked to give a testimony in court? Before the Lord. You put your hand on the Bible, on the, on, the, on the Word of the Lord, on the Scriptures, on the revelation of the Lord, and you swear that what you're saying is true. By the way, in court after court after court after court after court in this land, that is now gone. You now just swear. And the highest, part, the highest thing that you swear upon is yourself. I swear that what I'm saying is true. It used to be the hand on the Bible. I vouch that this is true on the basis of the Word of God. The Word of God is higher than me. I'm putting my, I'm putting my, my, my trust upon the Word of God. I'm saying these things. I'm saying this testimony on the power of this Word, of this book. And this book is God's Word. Now why have we removed that from, from the swearing in the court? Because now it's no longer, we no longer have in this nation the God of this Word. Now we have the, now we have the, the, the pagans of, of Islam. And after all, they say they believe the Bible, which they really don't. But the Koran has taken, uh, is now above the, the Scriptures, above the Word of God. So guess what we're going to have to do, folks? We've got to get rid of the Bible. Because after all, we won't offend the Muslims. Did you see the pictures? Someone sent it to me. I don't think it was you, Ron. Someone sent it to me. Photographs in New York City. Every Friday. On certain streets, they stop the traffic in New York City. And hundreds of Muslims get in the street. They're allowed to do this. The city of New York gives them the, the right to do this. Stop the traffic and fall down on their hands and knees and pray in the city of New York where the traffic is stopped, the cops stop the traffic, and hundreds of Muslims. You have not seen that in the secular media. Someone sent me five of the photographs. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. And all the New Yorkers are having to stand on the, on the sidewalk. They can't do anything. And the city of New York has given them the privilege of stopping the traffic and hundreds get in the middle of the street, Muslims, and pray to Allah. So guess what we've got to do with this book, folks? We've got to get rid of it. It's too much of a hindrance. After all, we now have the Muslims in the country. And this is a pluralistic society. 
Our founding fathers would grow, roll over their grave if you said this is a pluralistic society. They would have said, no, it's a Christian society. It's a Christian society. And this book shall be kept forward. This book shall be honored. And when you go to court, you put your hand on this book. And you're saying, I'm swearing by something higher than me, bigger than me. It's the Word of God. Above me, because I can cheat. I can fool you. But I'm vowing that what I'm saying is true on the basis of the Word of God. Folks, it's coming. It's coming. And I used to, I've been saying this for three or four years. Now I'm really saying it. It's coming. We're not stopping it. Okay? It's coming. But keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Let's close in prayer. <coughs> Father, what great principles we find in the Scriptures. All meant for the protection of the nation of Israel. And for us, as we see these great truths that are so clear here in Deuteronomy. Lord, at least make this people in this room aware. Make us stand firm. Give us resolve, whether others follow us or not. Thank you for this great revelation, your word. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.